running. <laughs> it's running? We're getting numbers? Okay, good. Hello, yes. All we had to do is have a lady touch it and it works. All right. There's a lesson there for us husbands and fathers, everybody. It needs a woman's touch, apparently. So, taking and giving, giving and receiving... And today we're looking at a, a character that don't gets that he doesn't get preached about much. He kind of gets overshadowed by a lot of people. But as I've been praying about uh, who to, to talk to, to talk about in the Bible, we've talked about Adam and Eve. We talked about Noah. We talked about Abraham. We talked about Isaac. And last year, last week, we talked about Isaac and Abraham on top of Mount Moriah. We talked about Rebecca. We've talked about Jacob, and now today we're going to talk about Jacob's twin brother, Esau. Esau. Anybody, Esau had a nickname. Anybody know what what Esau's nickname was? Harry. Harry, yep. What's another nickname that he had? He had two nicknames. I'll give you a hint. Red. Red, yes, it was Red. You know, we had some cowboys back in the day that were called red. That was something a, a cowboy would be commonly called red if he was a ginger, if he had red hair, right, or if he had a fiery temper, or both, right? And uh, remember Red Skelton, the comedian? Some of you guys remember him if you're old enough to remember. Red is a nickname that a lot of people uh, are familiar with. And so we're going to look at red. We're going to look at how red played tag with God and his... his uh, interactions on giving and receiving and so i'm going to read this story of how this whole all this got started in genesis 25 i'm going to skip around a little bit and instead of like doing a chapter and verse of one chapter i'm just gonna it's going to be kind of multiple because we don't get a lot of mentions in esau in one chapter it kind of skips around but um here's what happens in the story this is the account of the family of Isaac, the son of Abraham. When Isaac was 40 years of age, he married Rebekah, the daughter of Bethuel, the Aramean from Pat Aram, and the sister of Laban, the Aramean. And Isaac pleaded with the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was unable to have children. The Lord answered Isaac's prayer, and Rebekah became pregnant with twins. But the two children struggled with each other in her womb. So she went to the Lord to ask her about it. Why is this happening to me? Any ladies ever been pregnant and say to God, God, why is this happening? Yeah. Right? Why is this happening to me? And the Lord answered her. The Lord told her, The sons in your womb will become two nations. From the very beginning, the two nations will be rivals. One nation will be stronger than the other. And your older son will serve the younger son. And when the time came to give birth, Rebecca discovered that she did indeed have twins. And uh, first one was very red at birth and covered with thick hair, like fur, like a fur coat. So they named him Esau, which means hairy. And then the other twins was, uh, that was born was his hand grasping Esau's heel. And so they named him Jacob. And Isaac was 60 years old when the twins were born. So... In verse 27, it says, As the boys grew up, Esau became a skillful hunter. We have some skillful hunters in the congregation here today. I like shooting archery. I, I, just, I shoot bird hunt every now and then, but I don't hunt like some people in this congregation hunt. Some of you take it to another level. He was an outdoorsman, but Jacob had a quiet temperament, preferring to stay at home. Hmm, interesting. So Jacob played video games. Esau was shooting deer in the field or something. Isaac loved Esau because he enjoyed eating the wild game that Esau brought, Esau brought home. But Rebekah loved Jacob. 
One day when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau arrived home from the wilderness exhausted and hungry. Esau said to Jacob, I'm starved. Give me some of that red stew. And this is how Esau got his other name, Edom, which means red. And the Edomites came from his line, his lineage. All right, Jacob replied, betrayed me your rights as the firstborn son. Look, I'm dying of starvation, he said Esau. What good is my birthright to me now? Rather short-sighted, I'd say. But Jacob said, first you must swear to me that your birthright is mine. And so Esau swore an oath, thereby selling all his rights as the firstborn to his brother Jacob. And then Jacob gave Esau some bread and lentil stew, and, and Esau ate the meal. He got up and left, and he showed contempt for his rights as the firstborn. Interesting. Esau showed contempt for his rights as the, as the firstborn. Why would that be? Well, I think along with those rights came some responsibility, some obligation. And of course, he didn't want to have obligation. He was free as a bird. He wanted to go out in the woods and hunt stuff and not have to answer to anybody, come home when he wants to, whatever. Come on, Candy, are you, does your hunter come home whenever he feels like it, kind of, something? You're not sure when he's going to show up, right? Yeah, yeah, we know how it is with you hunters. You disappear for days, even weeks on end. We hope you're alive, killing something and bringing back meat for us to eat. Right? But Esau enjoyed hunting, but he didn't like so much the idea of being obligated at home to take care of maybe the things that his birthright would obligate him to. Because rights, you guys know that rights have responsibilities. Ooh, not to get all political, but you know, we always claim our rights in America. But you know, if you want rights, there's some responsibilities to go with that. I'm not gonna get into politics, but I'm just saying, there are no rights without responsibilities. And so Esau despised his obligations. He despised his rights as the firstborn because he didn't want to feel obligated. He didn't want to feel responsible. He's like, hey, I couldn't help how I was born. I don't care if I was like the first one out of the womb. Come on, this, this is dad's thing. This isn't my thing. Right? And yet, he sells his rights for a bowl of stew. So they call him Harry or they call him Red. Interesting, right? So let's look at another passage here in Genesis 27. And what happens, of course, Jacob feels like he's justified in doing the very next thing that he does. He goes, well, my brother is dumb enough to sell me his birthright. Then I actually have, he must have been a lawyer, a lawyer in the making. I have the right to get the birthright from my dad and all the blessings that he would give to Esau because Esau sold it to me for a bowl of stew. What an idiot. I'll take it. He doesn't want God's dad's blessings. I'll take dad's blessings. So sure, Jacob probably wanted those things, but he was going about it in a kind of an underhanded way, in a dishonest way. And that's where we pick it up. So he puts on these furry linings on his arm. He speaks in a husky voice like his brother. And he's, you know, he, Jacob sends off Esau to go hunting to get him some venison for a stew. And of course, he doesn't know how long it's going to take. So Jacob comes in pretending to be Esau. He goes, hey, Dad, how's it going? He goes, is that, is that my son Esau? 
it's and he goes well come come closer my son come closer and he he holds out his arms and he feels the fur on Jacob's arms he goes well these are the these are the arms of Esau but it's the voice of Jacob because you know because Isaac has, was losing his vision at that point and yet he declares the birthright blessing over Jacob instead of Esau he gets all the stuff that Esau should have gotten. Not only did he get the birthright, he got the blessings. There's two things that he stole. He stole the right to it, and he actually stole the blessings themselves. It's pretty powerful. And so Esau, of course, is a very upset about this when he finds out. He comes into the tent, and he replies, It's your son, your firstborn son Esau. And Isaac begins to tremble uncontrollably. And he says, Then who just served me the wild game? I have already eaten it, and I blessed him just before you came. And yes, that blessing must stand. And we, when Esau heard his father's words, he let out a loud and bitter cry. Oh, my father, what about me? Bless me too. He begged, but Isaac said, your brother was here. He tricked me. He has taken away your blessing. Esau exclaimed, no wonder his name is Jacob, for now he has cheated me twice. First he took my rights as the firstborn, and now he has stolen my blessing. Oh, haven't you saved even one blessing for me? Isaac said to Esau, I have made Jacob your master, and have declared that all his brothers will be his servants. I have guaranteed him an abundance of grain and wine, what is left for me to give you, my son. Esau replied, But do you have only one blessing? Oh, my father, bless me too. Then Esau broke down and he wept. And finally, his father Isaac said to him, You will live away from the richness of the earth and away from the dew of the heaven above, and you will live by your sword, and you will serve your brother. And when you decide to break free, you will shake his yoke from your neck. And from that time on, Esau hated Jacob because their father had given Jacob the blessing. And Esau began to scheme, I will soon be mourning my father's death, then I will kill my brother Jacob very angry not only did he steal my right my rights he stole my blessings and make anybody angry right make anybody mad it's kind of like someone rewriting the will without the consent of the other inheritors right the spirit of hatred leads to murder that's my next point we see it in Esau when someone is really filled with hate the end result is a murderous spirit you want to destroy that person completely. We're seeing what they call now in the political realm, cancel culture. The whole idea of cancel culture is, I'm going to eliminate you. I'm going to destroy you. I'm gonna make sure that you can never come back again. That's not the heart of Christ. It's not the heart of forgiveness. It's certainly not the father heart of God. And that, that hatred is a murderous spirit. Christ does warn us about that. And he talks about that in, when, he's, when he's sharing in the, um, the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5. Jesus warns about anger. He says, you have, in Matthew chapter 5 verse 20, 21, he says, You have heard that our ancestors were told you must not murder. If you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. But I say, if you're even angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot... You're in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, you're in danger of the fires of hell. 
Who? No one's living like that on Facebook, I don't think, right? So if you're presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone had something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar and go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. When you're on the way to court with your adversary, settle your differences quickly. Otherwise, your accuser may hand you over to the judge who will hand you over to the officer and you'll be thrown into prison. And if that happens, you surely won't be free again until you've paid the very every last penny. Murder, hatred, is the same as murder in your heart. God counts it the same way. That's why love has to be the answer. Love is the only answer to what we're facing right now in this climate of cancel culture and politics and anger and wanting to destroy people online. It's not the Spirit of Christ. It's not the Father Heart of God. What is the Father Heart of God? It's love. The Apostle John said that God is love. Right? And God is light. In Him there's no darkness at all. The Apostle Paul said this about love. 1 Corinthians 13. And when I do weddings, I read this almost all the time. Almost every bride wants this read at their wedding. But it's a good reminder. He says, love is the greatest. If I could speak in all languages of the earth and of angels but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and if I understood all God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but I didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. It never loses faith. It's always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless, but love will last forever. Now our knowledge is partial and incomplete, and even the gift of prophecy reveals only a part of the whole picture. But when the time of perfection comes, these partial things will become useless. When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. Now we see imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely just as God knows me completely. Now, these three things will last forever. forever: Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. What happened to our friend Esau? What, what, what happened in his life? Well, we know that Jacob went off to Padam Aram. He found his wife, right? Rachel and Leah, he found his wives, uh, actually came back with more than just wives. He had a couple concubines as well. And it's through the 12 sons of Jacob that we get the 12 patriarchs, the 12 tribes of Israel. So Jacob was blessed in a lot of ways. Ble maybe, well, depending on how you count it, maybe, maybe it's a lot of trouble going with the blessings. But while Jacob is doing all those things, Edom, Esau, is going to the hill country of Seir. The modern day hill country of Seir is what we would call Jordan today. If you look across the Jordan River into Amman and those, those hilly areas, 
north of the Sinai. That is what's modern-day Jordan. And that's also probably why the nation of Jordan is fairly um, friendly to the cause of Israel, where a lot of Arabic nations want to see Israel completely destroyed. So the Edomites are from Esau, and of course the Moabites come from the descendants of Lot. So we have this interesting take on Abraham's family. I almost titled this message, The First Gentile. But there's a lot of candidates for the first Gentile in the Bible, if you kind of think about it. But this is the first one that you could kind of say is a non-Jewish person in Abraham's family. Esau is kind of the first Gentile. And he becomes a hunter. He uses his skiff, his gifts. He leaves his household. He marries several non-Jewish ladies and has his own family, his own tribes. If you look at the history of Jordan, it's an amazing story of the Jordanian people. And he makes peace. He forgives Esau forgives Jacob somewhere along the way. We don't know exactly how it happened, but maybe he came to the realization that, you know what? It's just not worth it. He must have been so blessed at some point. He's going, I'm, this is not hurting Jacob. This is just hurting me. Why would I hang on to bitterness and unforgiveness? I don't even know where Jacob is. I might not ever see him again. Life is too short to live with bitterness and anger and hatred in my heart. I'm just going to let it go. I'm not going to let it go. I can't live like that. Right? It was probably in some sunrise hunt when he was tracking down some antelope or deer or something. He's kind of thinking about it. And maybe the sun was shining just right over, uh, over the water. And he starts thinking about his life. And he goes, you know, yeah, boy, Jake really did me wrong. But you know what? I don't want to live with hatred in my heart. God has been so good to me. I'm just going to let it go. And if I ever see him again, I'm going to hug his neck. I'm going to tell him I love him and that the past is forgotten. And we see that actually happens in this story. I want to pick it up here in this reunion in Genesis 33, where the brothers, the twin brothers, Red and Jake, Harry, Jacob, whatever you want to call them, they make peace. And, of course, we know this happened on the night after Jacob wrestles with the angel and the angels overcome. He crosses a river and he comes into the country and he sees Esau. And, of course, he had sent all these flocks to, to like, appease his brother because he was afraid his brother still wanted to murder him. So he was, like, sending all these gifts ahead of time going, please don't kill me, please don't kill me, please don't kill my wives, please don't kill my kids, please don't take my stuff. Right? It's kind of like the nerdy kid, like giving the bully the lunch money. Go, okay, just take it, just take it, just take it. Right? <laughs> so, picking up in Genesis 33 1. Then Jacob looked up and he saw Esau coming with 400 men. And so he divided the children among Leah, Rachel, and his two servant wives. And he put the servant wives and their children at the front, and Leah and her children next to Rachel and Joseph last. So, Joseph, the boy with the multicolored coat. He was in the very back when this happened. Interesting, right? And then Jacob went on ahead. And as he approached his brother, he bowed to the ground seven times before him. And then Esau ran to meet him. Boy, what a change of heart from the last passage we read. I'm going to kill Jacob to, ooh, the guy that was going to kill me is running towards me. Ah! How, how would you feel? 
If you haven't seen the guy in a couple decades, baby, the last thing you heard is he wanted to kill you. And he's running at you. I would flinch. I'd be like, uh, pull the sword. I'm like, hey, do we have any archers? Come on, somebody. Right? Esau ran to meet him. He embraced him. He threw his arms around his neck and he kissed him. And they both wept. Then Esau looked at the women and the children and he asked, Who are these people with you? These are the children God has graciously given me, your servant. Jacob replied. And then the servant wives came forward with their children and bowed before him. Next came Leah and her children. They bowed before him. Finally, Joseph and Rachel came before and bowed before him. And what are all these flocks and herds that I met as I came? Esau asked. Jacob replied, they're a gift, my lord, to ensure our friendship. My brother, I have plenty, Esau replied. Keep what you have for yourself. But Jacob insisted, no, if I have found favor with you, please accept this gift from me. So Jacob's going, I know, I did you dirty, I'm sorry, please take this gift. And what a relief to see your friendly smile. It's like seeing the face of God. Jacob said, to see someone forgive me is like seeing the face of God. When you forgive someone and you forgive them from your heart, you're giving someone the chance to see God's face, even if they don't deserve it, which Jacob didn't. But Esau gave it anyway. Please take the gift I brought you, for the Lord has been gracious to me. I have more than enough. And because Jacob insisted, Esau finally accepted the gift. Well, Esau said, let's be going. I'll lead the way. But Jacob replied, you can see, my Lord, <laughs> that some of the children are very young, and the flocks and the herds have their young too. If they're driven too hard, even for a day, all the animals could die. Please, my Lord, go ahead with your servant. We'll follow slowly at a pace that is comfortable for the livestock and the children. See, a, a loving dad doesn't drive his family. He, he sees the healthy pace and brings them along at the, the pace that, that they can manage. And he says, I, Jacob says to Esau, I'll meet you at Seir. All right, Esau said, but at least let me assist with some of my men to guide and protect you. Jacob responded, that's not necessary. It's enough that you've received me warmly, my Lord. So Esau turned around and started back to Seir that same day. Isn't that beautiful? Jacob and Esau. Esau did all of that. Without a New Testament. <laughs> he never heard anything about love your enemy, do good to those that hate you, bless those who use you. He didn't hear any of the teachings of Jesus. None of the two New Testament had been written yet. And somehow, something deep in Esau's heart made him go, you know what? My brother was a real tool back then. <laughs> you know what? <sighs> Just going to forgive him. Just going to forgive him. Because it's the right thing to do. It's what I'm supposed to do. It's what God would want me to do. And it's better for me if I forgive. It's better for me if I forgive. So maybe you're watching or listening or you're here in the, in the park today and you're like, you know what, there's someone that God has put on your heart that you need to forgive. 
I wonder if you just close your eyes for a minute. I wonder if you could picture that person the way God pictures them. I wonder if you could see that person the way God sees them. Will all the pain and all the hurt and all the wounds and all the past that they have. And maybe if you had had the exact same experience as those people, that person had, you would have made the same decisions. You might have made some of the same mistakes and said some of the same hurtful things. Given a different set of circumstances, but for the grace of God, you could have gone the same way. I wonder if you could just release that person in your heart. I wonder if you would just take your hands like two fists, put them in front of you, as if that's hanging on to the bitterness that has been in your heart for a while. Maybe this person is dead. Maybe they're not even here anymore. They don't have to be here. Esau was not there with Jacob when he forgave him. I think he forgave him years before that moment. Would you just, when you're ready, just say, I release you in Jesus' name. Ready? Go. I release you in Jesus' name. Now just feel that forgiveness for a moment. Let the forgiveness of God wash over you. Let God's love wash over you. Because it's, it's only with God's power that you, get, you could even forgive. It's not a human ability. It's a supernatural ability. It's a grace gift, the ability to forgive. If you haven't said it yet, let's try it now. Go. I release you in Jesus' name. You know, forgiveness is one of the best gifts you can give somebody. It really is. Because God so loved the world that he gave. He forgave you and I. That's beautiful. That leads right into the gospel, doesn't it? If you're listening to this talk today, or if you're here in the park and you feel far, far, feel far from God, you know God made you to be with Him? You're created to have a relationship with God. And whether you're an indoor person or an outdoor person, whether you're indoorsy or outdoorsy, God loves you. He wants to minister to you. Our sins do separate us from God. We can't hold on to our old sin nature, sin lives, and nurse the sins of our past and still ex expect to have a relationship with the Holy God. That's not how it works. Sins separate us from God. And sins can't be paid for by doing good deeds. But paying the price for our sin, Jesus died and he rose again. And everyone, anyone, who will accept what Christ did can receive that forgiveness and walk in a newness of life and have eternal life. That eternal life, that newness of life, begins the moment you say, yes, yes, Jesus. I receive your forgiveness. I forgive. I release. You can have my whole life. You take all of me, Lord. My heart, my mind, my soul, my strength, my time, my talent, my treasure, everything. All of me. <laughs> I think it's interesting that red is the color of Esau. Red is the color of blood. When we say someone is angry, we say they see red. Red is the color of that redemptive blood that Jesus shed. 
It's the atoning sacrifice. It's a beautiful picture, that idea of God's perfect blood, one sacrifice good for all time so that we can know God. If you haven't received his grace gift of, of salvation, would you just pray this prayer with me out loud for those who might be praying it or praying it again after a long time? Say, Dear Jesus, I'm sorry for my sin. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I believe God raised you from the dead. Live your life through me. Please come into my heart. Be my Savior. And be my Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen. Man, that's awesome. That is awesome. Can we give a, a hand for God's grace and His Word and His power? He's worthy of all the praise and all the glory, all the honor we can give to His name. Happy Father's Day, you dads. I hope you enjoy it with your family and your kids and that you can connect with them today. And good things, good things are coming. Do you feel that, everybody? There's hope in the air. It's like things are starting to crack, right? We're starting to see... Maybe, maybe this, this pandemic is, is ebbing away. Maybe businesses could start to open. Maybe this economy could turn around. Maybe, just maybe, right? We're not there yet. We're not, we're not home yet, but ooh, there's hope. There's a crack. Maybe, possibly. And that's all we need as Christians. There's just a little bit of hope, right? And we're hope bringers. We bring the hope of the kingdom of God everywhere we go. That tangible presence of God. And I wanted to read Psalm 91. It's a psalm of protection. And rather than give you the, the rabbinical blessing today, I, I want to minister that over you. And then when I say amen, I want to end the feed here. And then I want to share a, a, an announcement, an outreach announcement that I need your help with. But if you want to, if you want to receive the Psalm 91 blessing, just open your hands towards heaven and I'll read this. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God and I trust him. For he will rescue from you from every trap and protect you from the deadly disease. He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. Do not be afraid of the terrors of the night, nor the arrows that fly in the day. Do not dread the disease that stalks in the, stalks in the darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. Though a thousand fall at your side, though ten thousand are dying around you, these evils will not touch you. Just open your eyes and see how the wicked are punished. If you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the Most High your shelter, no evil will conquer you. No plague will come near your home, for he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. He will hold you up with their hands. They will hold you up with their hands. And so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. You will trample on lions and cobras. You will crush fierce lions and serpents under your feet. The Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. And when they call on me, I will answer. And I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them. I will reward them with a long life and give them my salvation. Lord, we receive that Psalm 91 blessing. We thank you for your goodness and your grace to us. Help us to be people that learn to forgive, to keep short accounts, and when we need to, to make our amends with one another. 
and to be people of your light, to be people of hope, to be people of goodness. Strengthen your church everywhere, Lord, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for Very tuning good. in today to the ministry of Summit Church and the daily outreach of Wayne Hansen. You can support our ministry in many ways. Click the donate button on our Facebook page, Summit Church of Castle Rock. Visit our webpage, mysummitchurch.com, and click the online giving link. Or mail your donation to Summit Church of Castle Rock, 200 South Wilcox Street, Box 243, Castle Rock, Colorado, 80104. Or finally, text your gift to 303-625-9434 and follow the prompts using your smartphone. You can also support us by connecting with our online community. Comment, like, share, follow, and subscribe on our various social media channels. Of course, we appreciate you joining us in daily prayer. I'm Sean Rima, and on behalf of Pastor Wayne and the Summit Church family, take care and have a great week. Remember, God loves you, and he has a wonderful plan for your life.